clip from The Guardian, a movie my wife said I had to go see. She watched it, and she said, there's one line in there that you've got to hear that it, you just got to come and see it. And I went and watched it, and I've seen it about five times since. There's a line in there where he was asked. He's a rescue uh, diver. He was asked, how many have you rescued? And he said, a certain number, and they said, that's all. And he said, no, that's the ones I lost. He said, I never kept a record of the ones that I saved. I only remember the ones that I lost. And how we must come to understand that today that he said, I swim as hard as I can, as fast as I can. For Here's the quote that Kathy said I want you to hear. When he said, I swim as fast as I can, as hard as I can, as long as I can, and rescue as many as I can, and the rest I have to give up to the sea. And God's called us to be rescuers. How many will agree that today? They were called to be rescuers of men, to be rescuers of people. And we do that by serving people. And we shared a scripture with you in a series that we talked about on changing our world months ago. And we shared with you a scripture where Jesus says, we're a light on a hill that cannot be hid. That, that we're to be a light to the world. And he says that we will impact our world by doing simple acts of kindness, by simple deeds that we do that impacts the lives of people that are around us. And, and I want to come back into that today. Let's go ahead and get into our text today. It's in 2 Corinthians. Get your notes out and let's roll together. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction. How many is thankful for his comfort in your time of affliction? Amen. Why? So that we now may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That God has called us that to take this same comfort, this same move of God's power in our life. And how many's experienced that? And God's saying, now, I want you to go give that away. I want you to find someone who's in a place of distress. Their life is in trouble. They're hurting. They're broken. And you don't have to look far, and you don't have to go to a foreign country to find those people. They're with us every day. They're around us every day. And so God is simply saying, now go take the comfort, the healing, the blessing that I've given you, and go find someone else that's in a time of distress and give that same comfort Away. And so what is servolution? Servolution is a complete and radical change of a person's life caused by simple acts of kindness. That it doesn't take a world-changing event to change someone's life. If someone's hungry, just a bowl of soup can be a life-changing event. If, if You don't have to have $100 in your wallet to change someone's world. If they're hungry, McDonald's will work. You with me? And coming to a place that we realize that God has given us the opportunity. Servolution is God's kingdom alive on earth as it is in heaven. How many knows God wants to be as real down here as he is in heaven this morning? And so it's God's kingdom alive on earth as it is in heaven. A church revolution through serving. That one of the greatest, I was in a meeting with a, a church staff. They're asking us to help them get restarted up in, a, in, in Alabama. And I was with their whole staff this week and, and going over some training with them. And, and the comment I made with them is the greatest task of the Church of America today is to earn back the respect of the church in the community. That, that, and how are we going to do that? We're not going to do that by preaching our church. We're going to do that by serving them by going out and serving our community in the love of Jesus. And so uh, several years ago, something unique happened at Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas. Uh, Joel Olstein, anybody heard that little pastor, little church over there? You know, about 60,000 people. And, uh, but his dad, the late John Olstein, 
was preaching on a Sunday morning, 7,000 people present, and he had just got in his sermon real strong, and he's going full blast. And if you ever heard John Osteen, Osteen the man could preach. And uh, he was preaching away and had his own style. And all of a sudden, he stopped preaching and looked at his wife and said, I said, come here, so-and-so are here. They're here right now. And he walked off of his stage with his wife and walked out into the crowd of 7,000 people and spent 15 to 20 minutes hugging and ministering to a young couple that the rest of the church had no idea what was going on. But here was a young couple that had just experienced a huge crisis and tragedy in their life and had a great loss. And it was their first Sunday back at church. And Pastor Olstein identified the need in the midst of the thousands, and he saw a young couple in his church, and the rest of the church had no idea what was going on. They feel like halftime at a football game, you know, like, okay, what's going on? And what was it? He saw the need of one couple was more important than the 6,098, 998 at that moment. That couple needed the embrace of their pastor. Are you with me? And so I want to talk to you today about this because it leads me right into your first point. Get your notes out, and let's talk about servolution. All I'm going to do today is lay a foundation for the series, all right? Number one is there must be servolution vision. Servolution vision that produces peripheral compassion, and I'll explain that. Servolution vision that produces peripheral compassion. You see, servolution is begun and sustained when we have the ability to look out into the crowd of people and identify the specific needs of individuals. Jesus had this unique ability that Jesus could be surrounded by a crowd, but he had this uh, unique talent and ability that amongst the thousands, he could see the one that had a need, that amongst the crowd, he could see the one that had a specific crisis going on in their life, and he would minister to that crisis. And how many knows every one of us are surrounded by crowds and chaos and confusion and people every day? And, and if we're going to serve our community and we're going to be effective in our community, we've got to learn how to do this, that we find a vision, a peripheral compassion that allows us in the midst of the crowd to identify the need. That that person's got a broken heart. They're smiling on the outside, but inside there's a brokenness. There, there's a person that they just need a hamburger, man. I don't have to have a thousand dollars to minister to them. How about a bag from Burger King that'll touch their life? I, I may not have enough to pay your bill, but you know what? I can come over and help do something and, and learn to identify the need in the midst of the crowd. Jesus was unique with that. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? While the crowd was pressing, pressing on him and everybody was touching him. Everyone was touching him. But somebody, one specific woman touched him. And Jesus said, who touched me? How about the pool of Bethesda when the religious people were walking by? Jesus stops. We've got to come and realize today that what God is wanting to challenge us to do is to start walking with peripheral compassion and vision that in the midst of the hustle and bustle of society today that we begin to identify the needs of people that are around us and let's meet them for the glory of the kingdom. Amen. You with me right now? All right? And so, Mark, let's look at a couple examples. Here's Mark, chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. It's in your notes. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. See, religious people was more interested, are you going to heal on the wrong day or not? And thank God Jesus was radical enough, he healed on the wrong day. 
Come on, how many glad he healed you on the wrong right whatever day? Amen? And Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. You see, here's what I want you to see. In the midst of the crowd of worshipers, Jesus saw a man with a withered hand. While everyone else was praising him and worshiping him, they just saw the man as a man with a withered hand, but Jesus saw him as an opportunity to heal a broken man. Jesus saw a need in the midst of the crowd. While hundreds of hands were going up to worship him, there was one that could not. And Jesus identified that hand. And he went and he ministered to that hand and he told the man, stand up in front of the crowd. Stand up. And can you imagine being that man called out by Jesus? And that's what makes the miracle so great is he didn't seek Jesus out. He wasn't at the foot of Jesus going, heal me. He was lost in the middle of the crowd. But all of a sudden, Jesus recognized him. He didn't come looking for a miracle, but Jesus came looking to give one. Come on, are you with me today? And that's the Jesus that you and I serve every day. And every day we've got to learn to wake up, not looking for something else for me, but how can I be the miracle for someone else? How, how can I find my gift? I, I heard the women just blew the gift thing out yesterday, by the way. Any ladies get just totally transformed? I, my emails are blowing up like you did. And, and boy, does this message fit with that one, amen? It's finding my gift, man, finding where I fit, finding what God's done inside of me and begin to use those gifts and go into my job, the marketplace, the ball fields and just be me, but begin to see with a peripheral compassion and identify the withered hands, identify the broken hearts, identify the empty lives and don't wait for them to come asking for help. Call them out. Go to them. Minister to them in the grace and the love of Jesus. And, and here's this thing is Jesus, he went to the man. He never asked for a miracle, but Jesus was ready to give one. He was ready to offer one to this man. Another story in Luke chapter 7, verse 11 through 15. Read it with me. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from town was with her. When the Lord saw her, saw her, you didn't see the son, saw her, the mother, the grieving widow, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bearer, and they were carrying him on, and the bearer stood still. And so let's look at this now. He stood still. Then Jesus said, you man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Now, let me show you some things that happen here about Jesus and his ability to have this peripheral compassion and vision that he's just minding his business. He's just going about his day. He's entering the gate of name. And while he's about his business, a procession starts coming out with a funeral. And here the bearers, the pallbearers, are carrying this body of this dead man, and a grieving widow is crying behind them, and all of a sudden, Jesus stops and he sees in the midst of a crowd, because the Bible says there was a crowd of people with her. In the midst of the crowd, Jesus saw a grieving widow. And here's what I want you to see. The miracle wasn't for the dead man. It was for the mother. Yeah. 
He didn't even mention the dead man. He saw a grieving widow. And here's why it was so important. Because in those days, that son was her provision. He was her protection. He was her life. And if her son died, she is now going to be kicked out of the city and become a homeless single mom out there, a single woman out there in society with no chance, no provision, no protection, no covering. And so the miracle that Jesus was giving wasn't for the son. It was for the widow. And he walked up to the body and said, get up. And he got up. And Jesus took this dead man and walked him back over and gave him back to his mother. And you know what Jesus did? He just sustained a mom. He sustained her emotionally. He sustained her spiritually. He sustained her financially. He just gave her her life back. Come on, are you with me today? And why? How, how did it happen? He was just going about his business that day, and all of a sudden he saw a widow woman in need. And with his ability to have this peripheral compassion in the midst of the crowd, he saw the need and he went and ministered to it. Are you with me today? And this is what I want to challenge us here at Transformation Church is that we understand servolution is living out our lives, seeking opportunities to turn our love into action. That about our day in the marketplace, on the job, in the, how about in the church? Because how many knows when you come here every Sunday, there's some hurting people around you. And we've learned how to do church around our hurt and hide it. And we've got to let God show us behind the scene what's really going on in my brother and my sister's life. How can I help? We've got to do that on the job Monday through Friday is go to work and you're about your business, but man, you're on a mission field and there's people around you. How many's ever asked that question? Why is everybody coming to me? You know, why is everybody coming to my desk? There's 20 desks in here. Why is everybody coming to me? Because you have the answer. You have what you don't even see that you have. And we've got to come and realize that all around us, at the gas pump, you're pumping gas. You don't know what the person on the other side's going through. That could be an opportunity. In the ball fields with our children, what an opportunity. We've got to see it for what it is and, and begin to realize that every day I've got to ask God and I pray it. It's my prayer every morning before I start my day because I believe in divine connections. And every day I pray, God, help me through the Holy Spirit to be sensitive to the divine connection that you're setting up today. Somewhere today there's a connection that I'm supposed to meet someone that I don't know. I don't know the need yet. I don't know the crisis yet. My son made a joke a few weeks ago about I bend over time. I shoot 16 people got saved. That's not true. I wish it was, but, but I, I can tell you this, that I live every day of my life looking for an opportunity. Every day is a conscious that I'm looking for that opportunity that I believe every day is the day that God gives us that we can serve somebody in love and show action, not just words. And we do that when we begin to operate in this peripheral compassion, this vision that in the midst of the hustle and bustle of life, God through the Holy Spirit allows us to identify a need and we get to help meet it. Come on, y'all with me? Amen? All right? And so let's do that. Number two, servolution empowerment. Servolution empowerment. And what a powerful story Jesus gives us on the towel and the basin. Because one of the most clear visual and pictures of servolution is found in John 13. It's just, just a few hours before Jesus is going to be arrested and less than a day that he's going to be crucified. 
He and the 12 disciples are getting ready for the Passover meal. Jesus is totally aware of the events that are about to unfold and take place, but the disciples still have no clue. The disciples are caught up in a debate on which one of them is the greatest. I mean, that's what they're talking about. I'm, I'm bigger than you. No, I'm better than you. I'm great. I'm more important. And they're in this debate. Here's the disciples. They've walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He's about to die. He's about to suffer Calvary. They have no idea, no clue what's really about to take place before them. Though he's tried to prepare them, they really have no concept of the degree about what's about to take place. They're in a debate on who's the greatest. And then all of a sudden, Jesus does something very, very different and unique. And we find it in John 13. Read it with me. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and, and to be with the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Watch this. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And so get the picture real quick. Here's Jesus with the 12. They're at the Passover dinner. They're all prepared, and they're all feasting on the Passover dinner. And the disciples get into this debate over who's the greatest. And to teach them and us a powerful, life-changing lesson, Jesus did something totally out of culture. It was totally wrong in the culture. It was a violation of culture. Jesus got up and undressed. He dressed, down, he dressed undressed to his undergrad. It would be like me preaching here on Sunday and going down to the boxers. I mean, that's about as plain as I know how to tell you. That is not going to happen, so don't freak out, all right? But that's what Jesus did. I'm trying to get you to see the picture, all right? Okay, that's not as bad as what you texted me, Drew, okay? And anyway, and uh, <laughs> Kristen wants to know. I'll tell you after church. All right, and uh, <laughs> that's a good in-house joke right there. All right. See, y'all feel like halftime, not knowing what's going on, right? But here's what Jesus did. I mean, you got to see the picture. He's their master. He's their rabbi. He's there recognized by them as the master, the rabbi. And they're out there arguing over who's the greatest. So their rabbi violates culture, and he stands up and undresses in front of them to his undergarments. And then he reaches and takes a towel, and he wraps the towel around himself. And they don't get it. And then he does something really, really weird is he goes and gets a basin of water and he removes the towel and he begins to kneel at the feet of his disciples that are arguing over who's the greatest. And the greatest in the room is him. But now the greatest is on his knees with a towel in his hand and a basin of water and he removes their sandals and he begins to wash their feet. And the lesson in this is this. That in those days, a person owned a home at their front door every day was a basin of fresh water and a towel. Because in that day, they walked on dirt roads and the only shoes they had were sandals. And so when they would come in from a day's work or a walk, their feet were filthy, they were sweaty, they were nasty. And the lowest servant in the house, 
the lowest servant in the house job was to meet them at the door and remove their sandals and kneel down with a towel and a basin of water and wash their feet. There's a debate going on. Who's the greatest in the room? The teacher kneels down to the feet of his students and he begins to remove their shoes and begins to wash their stinky, smelly feet. And that day he told them and shared with them and gave us a lesson that the greatest among you is still the least, that he that is first shall be last, but the last shall be first. I've not come to be served, but I've come to serve. I've come to give of myself to those that are in need. And he was trying to teach the disciples a very powerful, life-changing lesson that we must come and understand that Jesus wanted them to know that he's more interested in your towel than he is your title. He wants to know, he doesn't care if you got pastor, president, CEO, He don't care about the title in front of your name. He just wants to know, are you carrying a towel with you? Do you have a towel on your shoulder? Because if you're not washing people's feet, you're not serving people. And you don't have to go tomorrow to work with a towel and take everybody's shoes off. Don't do that, all right? Okay, unless God really leads you to do something like that. And then pray it through before you do, all right? But I'm saying... It's a spiritual mindset. Am I on this world with peripheral, compassionate vision looking for needs that I can begin to minister to that I'm not here for the world to serve me. I'm here to serve the broken world. Are you with me? And so understand that God's wanting to know, do you have a title? No. Do you have a towel? Are you serving people? Are you ministering to people's needs? Changing our world will not come through positions, power, or titles. It will come when we learn the transforming power that lies in our serving those that are around us. John 13, 34, and 35, Jesus said, A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have loved one for another. Can I tell you, Jesus did not give us this after Calvary. We often use this, and it's a good, good example that Jesus loved us so much that he gave his life. He died for us. But Jesus did not give us this scripture after his death, using his death as an example. He gave us his scripture before his death, using his life as an example. And what Jesus was teaching in this scripture is not how to die like me. He said, I want to teach you how to love like me. I want you to learn how to give of yourself like me. I want you to learn how to give of your life like I gave my life to you. I want you to give your life to others. Learn to give your life. Serve others through your living, not your dying. And so we must come and grab hold of this today. Remember the early church, the the New Testament church? They were called what? The people that followed where they were called Christians. 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 And so the question comes, just stay with me. They got them. He was amen to me, and you just didn't understand that, all right? Yeah, no, that means, <laughs> I know what that means. I'm older, but I haven't got that old. Good news. Well, I don't know if that's good news. Never mind. But there was a reserve spot for Dan outside my church when I grew up because my dad visited there every Sunday with me. Anyway, all right. But understanding that, Here's the thing that we understand they were called. The early church called them Christians. Here's the thing. The church did not come up with that name. Society did. 
The church did not come up with the name Christian. Society did. The society started calling the followers of Jesus Christians because they saw them representing Christ to the world. And so they are Christians. And what would the world call the church today? And we've got to come. And then my question comes back is, why didn't they call them Jesusians? Instead of Christians, because he was known as Jesus. So where did Christ come in? Christ was his title. Christ was what he represented. He, he's Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And they identified him with his service to them. That they identified them as Christians because they served in the same way that Christ served them. They served their community and their society. And it was the world that came up with that name, not the church. That they're Christians because they gave us what Christ gave them. And God help us today that we begin to walk in that same mindset. And then last of all, there's servolution as a strategy. I want you to find a strategy. And again, this is nothing but a foundation today. And next week we're going to get more specific, all right? But how many's with me? Is this helping you? Because last year what we did in our Servolution series is we went into the, we took a Saturday and we hit every ballpark around here with water with our church logo on it. And we were in laundromats with bags and Ziploc bags with change and candy for kids and paying for people's laundry. We were in restaurants. We were all over this city impacting people. And we're going to do that on a smaller scale. But here's what I told my staff this year. I said, I don't want to try to make it one major event. I want our people to do it every day. I want us to do it, not, not a church event. I want it to become our lifestyle of what we're doing every day in simple acts of kindness. And, and so Servolution, the strategy is to find the one. Who's that one person that God's put into your world that you're supposed to impact this week? Who's that one person that you're supposed to have that divine encounter with tomorrow on the way to work, at work, on the way home? Who's that one? I've got to begin to look for them, begin to anticipate that meeting with them. I do it every day. And I challenge you to begin to do that, that Jesus is a perfect example of having that ability to recognize the need of the one in the midst of the crowd. And so how many will join me and say, I can do better than that? I can get better. Four of us? I didn't even need to preach this then, shoot. How many besides me can get better at this? Okay. I was fixing to preach on lying so fast. <laughs> I keep an old message on lying in the background back there. I can preach it any time. You know. No, I'm just kidding. All right? But how many knows we can do better, right? And, 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 and that's what I want to challenge this church to do. I don't want to be known in this community as a, a, just a growing church or a, a church of diverse culture. And thank God for all of those things and, and all that God is doing in our mission. You know? But here, I want to be known as the church that cares. That the church that's real. It's not perfect people. If you're looking for a perfect church, please don't come here. Please don't because you're going to get so disappointed. Because the day I showed up, it just went down the hill. We're not perfect, but we will be real. And we will be care. We will care. And, and, and I want to be known for that. And, and we are known for that in this community. But I want to get better. I want to get better. Let me tell you how known we are. We, we sponsored a ball team. For the first time this year, Little League Baseball team out here at Myrtle Grove, Transformation Church on the shirt. Some of their families are here right now. We've had about six families come to Christ through that ball team this year. Amen. Our youth pastor, Pastor Ryan and Daniel, they coach it. 
and, and they pray before every game. They pray after every game. They don't yell and scream at the players. And, and the other families are out there going, I want my kid on that team. Am I right? Some of you are out there. And, and, and they, they were one game away from winning the championship our first year. Amen. Played for the championship. Went into an extra game because we were even and tied and, and almost won the championship. But we got second place, but our coaches were elected to coach the All-Stars because the families wanted them. So they bypassed the first place team, and we're coaching the All-Stars. And here's what the manager of the whole field, runs the whole field, was on the phone with me this week. And he says, I want to give Myrtle Grove's ball complex to Transformation Church to oversee. We want you to become the spiritual overseers of this complex. Oh. He said, y'all can pray here. You can preach here. You can give out all your stuff here. You can do whatever you want. And if anybody has a problem with it, send them to me. I said, oh, I can do that. I'm used to having them sent to me. I love that. Amen. Yeah. Cool. Here's what's happening. Because we were praying, like, God, give us some really good places we can serve as a church. This coming week on Tuesday night from the 9th to the 16th is the All-Stars. They're going to have 12 games a night going. And he's opened the door, and I said, how can we serve you? He goes, really? I said, yeah, how can we as a church serve you? He said, I'll give you, he said, you can wear your church shirts, you can do anything. And out under the orange tent, there's a sign up. We need people, we're going to work the concession stand. We're going to work the gate where people come through and pay. And they're going to pay our people while we're in a transformation shirt. And we're going to give them one of these. All so many thousands of them. Yeah. And, and he said, and we're going to do the parking. And we're going to park cars. And while we're parking cars, how you doing? Isn't God good? God bless you, man. And we're going to be looking with our peripheral compassion for people that have needs so we can pray for them in the parking lot. Come on now. Where do you get that opportunity? We have an opportunity in seven days to impact thousands of families right down the street from our church. And so I'm challenging you this week, if you're free, 5.37.15, any night of the week that you can commit to join us, sign up under the orange tent so we can let them know what areas we have covered. And can you imagine 150 Transformation Church at every night at the ball field and Transformation people walking around picking up paper and cleaning the field and parking the cars and serving the people at the counter. Can you imagine the impact that we can make by just doing simple acts of kindness? And so don't, don't amen me now and not sign up, all right? Okay? I need you to sign up. Don't just sign up. Be there. Okay? And serve with a smile. Don't forget your shirt. If you don't have one, get one on the way out. If you don't have the money, I'll give it to you if you'll show up and serve in it. But let's impact our community with the hope of Jesus. Amen? What an opportunity. And we're going to be sharing some more things. We're going to hit the laundromats again. How many did some laundromats last summer? What an honor, man. You walk into laundromats with Ziploc bags for 4 or $5 and quarters and some lollipops and stuff for the kids. And you walk in, and here's a mama washing her clothes. And you go, my name is Dan Livingston. I'm from Transformation Church. We're just out blessing people today. And look, we want to cover your laundry today. And here's a little candy for your kid. Ain't nobody else doing that. And you know what? You got a captive audience because if they don't like you, they don't move to another laundromat. You know what I'm saying? You got them for a few minutes. All right? Sharing the love of Jesus in tangible ways. 
and identifying the needs of people while you're there. Come on, are y'all with me today? And so here, here's the thing. I'm going to close with this. And so as we look at this, finding that one, find the one, find the one, we have to ask a question sometimes. What, what am I doing that, that can help me do it better? And, and here's the two questions I want to leave with you is, what missed opportunities are, do I have? I've got to identify those missed opportunities. What people am I overlooking that are right around me every day? Start identifying with those. Remember the, the, the rescue swimmer? He didn't keep the record of the ones he saved. He kept the record of the ones he lost. Because those are the ones that really matter. The ones I didn't get. And I, I don't sit around every day counting the number of people in our church and go, we had 457 last Sunday. I'm thinking every day, who wasn't here? Who are we missing? Who, who, who's struggling in the church? That, that's where I want my mind locked every day. And Jesus came for the sick. He came for the broken. And yeah, we want to keep him feeding those that are healthy and whole, but we want to make sure that we don't get locked up on the numbers and forget the people that make the numbers. And, and really understand who around me every day am I missing. And number two is I've got to find out what keeps me from noticing the needs around me. Am I too busy? Is it that I'm just going so fast that I don't see? Do I lack sensitivity in my heart to other people? Am I, am I not sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit and Him dealing with me? What keeps me from sacrificing my time and convenience to serve someone uh, in a small, simple way? And I can tell you, if two or three days go by and I haven't had the opportunity to minister to someone that I don't know that's out there in society, a total stranger, if a couple days go by and I have that opportunity, I'm asking myself, what's wrong with me? What, what about me? Is my life so busy? I'm not, because I know the Holy Spirit is setting them up. Somewhere I'm missing them. Because he didn't put what he put inside of me to just come and use at church once a week on a Sunday. He didn't do this for that. He did it so I can leave here on a Sunday and now I've got six unbelievable days to impact somebody's life with the hope of Jesus that's hurting. And God helped me have the peripheral compassion and vision that in the midst of the crowd that's around me today and tomorrow and this week, I'm going to begin to identify those needs that you let me see and I'm going to go and I'm going to minister to them and impact them and change them with the hope of Jesus. You don't have to know the Bible by heart to share somebody your story. You don't have to have $1,000 in your wallet to help somebody that's hungry. You don't have to have your life all together before you can help heal somebody's life that's fallen apart. They just want you to be you and be real. And we can do that, Transformation Church. I said, we can do that. That's how many of you got here. Come on, am I right? That's how many of you got here. That's how I got here. Because if somebody didn't come and tell me I was going to hell, I already knew that. Somebody came and told me that there was an opportunity of heaven. And here's how you can get there. Come on, let's go do that. How many will join me this week and make this month, June, a starting point that I'm going to start living every day of my life with a conscious mindset. Today, God set me up to change somebody's life for the good forever. Amen. Will y'all join me in doing that? Will you help me in doing that? Let's do it together and let's change our community with the hope of Jesus. Come on, you give him a hand. Come on, do it together. So I want to challenge you. We've got different ones. If you're in a really conservative area, you know, and you're at work or something, you don't want to get too radical, we got some really nice invite cards.
They are really nice, and anybody can identify with them. If you're going to be in some places that kind of have a mixed culture of people, we have our new ones, and we have people showing up every Sunday with our new invite in their hand, and it says, hey, addicts, thieves, prostitutes, Buddhists, corrupt CEOs, pimps, gays, narcissists, self-haters, gossipers, discouraged, agnostics, backsliders, alcoholics, egotistical, gang members, abused, rejected, druggies, bitter housewives, divorcees, stoners, atheists, religious, backstabbers, idolaters, gluttons, control freaks, sinners, and saints. You are welcome at Transformation Church. There you go, right there. So wherever you're at, we got one. We got one. We had a lady come in a few weeks ago. She was at a yard sale, and they had these laid out, and she said, "Woo, that's pretty unique. How did they come up with all those names? And she said, that represents somebody in our church, every one of them. <laughs> that's what she said. I said, well, it probably does. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm glad. How many glad you got a church of people that used to be that but has been transformed by the power of God? Amen. That's better than a group like this that's sitting around bragging on who's the best one. See, when you got a church like this, everybody's the best one. When you got one like this, I'm just glad to be a part. But hey, let's take that. And I'm, I'm rambling now. I'm going to quit. Get your something extra to show you God loves your cards back there. And take these with you and put some in your pocket. And God blesses you with an extra 5 $6. Just go through the McDonald's parking lot or drive through and ask them, how much is the one behind me? And they tell you $4.57. Well, look, I want to pay for that. And when they come up, will you just hand this to them and say, God bless you? We've got folks come here almost weekly now that they're like, somebody in your church paid for my meal at a restaurant or at a Wendy's, or and they left me this, and I just wanted to come and see what kind of church this is. It works. God bless you, and you're at a restaurant, and you want to double up that tip? Leave a tip with that. Just want to bless you something extra to show you God loves you. Go mow a neighbor's yard and stick this on the front door without even asking them if you can. Messes with their head. <laughs> but if you mess with their head long enough, it'll get in their heart. Let's go do it, folks. Let's do it. In Jesus' name. Servolution. Let's make it powerful this year. Amen? Amen? You join me? Father, I love you. I thank you for this body. I thank you for these people. And I pray your blessings over them today. And God, as we go out into society, I pray today, God, that you will help us, that, God, we have that peripheral compassion, that vision, Father, that we begin to see the need in the midst of the crowd. And God, we begin to identify that one, and we begin to meet the need of that person in Jesus' name. So God, I pray blessing over this body, and I pray you help us this week to be effective at the ball field, at work, in our community, wherever we are, help us to be effective in transforming the lives of people. In Jesus' name. Where every head's bowed and every eye's closed. If you're here in this service this morning, and just say, Pastor Dan, I, I'm not a bad person, but right now I know I'm not in a good place with God. I'm not where I need to be with God today. And I want you to pray for me. Just pray for me today that I'll, I'll get in that right place with God that I belong. Just help me today. If that's you, I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you. Would you just slip a hand up? God bless you. Hands already going up. And I just need to make a choice today. I need Jesus. God bless you. I just need Jesus in my life today. I want him to be number one. Will you pray this prayer with me and the rest of this body as we're going to pray it with you? Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved. So right now, 
I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. And I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, you join me and let's give a hand clap to these that prayed today. God bless you.